Hey everyone, welcome to Dev Interrupted. I'm your host, Dan Lyons, and today's topic is how to game dev metrics. We're going to discuss the three easiest ways to game dev metrics at your company and explain the leading causes behind each one. I'm joined today by software architecture expert and agile enthusiast, Ray Allentenny. Ray, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here, Dan. Awesome, yeah, great to have you on the pod today. Um, before we dive into our uh, main topic around gaming metrics, I always like to give a little bit of context about your background, you know, what you're working on, uh, where did you come from, and, you know, maybe what size teams you, you typically work with. Right, yeah, thanks, and appreciate the opportunity. Um, yeah, I, I, first of all, I just, I, I love the tech business. Um, I started coding in 1976, um, and uh, have been doing it ever since, and I still love it just as much fortunate enough to get paid for my hobby, is the way I think of it. Nice. Um, and um, uh, so I've run, I've been around the block a few times, obviously, but I've been managing teams in one way or another since the early 90s, um, managing teams from as few as four or five architects to up to 150, a team of 150 developers. Right now I'm uh, out on my own um, and uh, helping teams and, and companies improve their processes and their architecture. And uh, I've worked all kinds of stacks. So right now I'm in the Java React stack uh, in Kubernetes world and having a lot of fun there. That's awesome. It sounds like you have a really diverse background, have been in the industry for a while. Can you remember your first programming uh, language that you started using in, in the 70s? I always like to, to ask that. I do. It was uh, in basic. Uh, it was on paper tape uh, with a prime mini computers where you had a teletype. And this, if you haven't looked, seen paper tape before, look it up. And that's how we stored our stuff, and everything came out on a on a, a roll of paper as we typed it and as we ran our output. I remember it well. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. So as we move focus now to our to our main topic of gaming dev metrics, um, I want to start us off and probably you know the first and easiest way to game dev metrics at your company is to track a performance metric that's just easy to manipulate. So, you know, like if you were tracking a metric like lines of code produced, well, I can just probably add a bunch of probably crappy code onto my <laughs> real code and I'll have a lot of uh, lines of code produced. Um, can you describe some of those metrics that come to mind and how they're easy to manipulate? Well, lines of code is definitely one for sure. It's, it's really easy for developers to you know, figure out how they want to manage that. It's getting a little bit tougher with, with some of the tools that exist today, but but it's still one of the big ones. Of course, there's velocity in the Agile uh, um, project, and, and you know, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but, you know, padding stories, uh, um, whatever, you know, adding stories that are just kind of senseless with a couple of points that really don't do anything. One, one of them that uh, is, and I thought about this recently, is, is organizations that tra track bugs within a sprint, right? Um, and say, you know, to, for, from a developer's perspective, and quite frankly, engineering perspective, you know, something that happens within a sprint and is found by QA, that's a good thing, right? And it shouldn't be a negative that the QA found 10 bugs in, in your code while the code's being developed. That's actually good. The bad one is, you know, bugs, escape bugs, if you will. So, 
Um, but I've been on teams in organizations where you know, bugs within a sprint and the, the number of those was a negative. Uh, to the team. You don't want rampant bugs, of course, but, but you should expect to be finding them. That's what the team's there for. Yeah. You know, what I really wanted to ask you is, are these bad metrics to track or is it just bad if I tie performance to them? Because tracking bugs, for example, I don't see any problem with that. That's good to know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as a developer, quite frankly, I was just working with a, with a QA analyst uh, today and, and um, he found something and some stuff that I was doing and I said, oh, make it, you know, create a bug for the, we don't forget this, <laughs> right? And, and we get, get this work done. So absolutely, it's, it's, it's critical. And, and none of those numbers are bad, right? Um, you need all of those numbers do, uh, like most metrics, they provide value. Um, the, the issue is when they be, become the, the sole or primary evaluation criteria for the success of an individual in a team, that's when they become problematic. And developers and QA folks, anybody involved in the agile process, they're smart people. And they're going to figure out a way to make those numbers, make them look good uh, to those that are looking at just those numbers. That makes sense. Are there some metrics that you've seen that are better to track and maybe some ones, we mentioned lines of code, not probably not so good to track. Some ones that aren't, you know, as good. Yeah, so I, I do think velocity when done properly is, is a decent metric. Um, the reason why velocity gets gamed is because I think developers and businesses don't have an agreement on on how stories should be pointed and, and defined. And, and that's where to get good measurement on velocity, you need to have good stories written and good story estimates. Yeah, I have a pretty strong opinion of, about velocity. I, I wrote a blog about it. You know, my feeling is it's actually a great thing to measure. I've seen it go very well when measuring it at the team level. And then I've seen it go very bad when displayed as a performance metric up to a boss or an executive or the entire organization. And that's where I've seen it become manipulated. Obviously it's based off of story points, which are subjective to the team. Every team has their own, you know, count of how to do story points. And then it just becomes abused as a performance metric. Have you seen similar in your experience? I think there's a lot of good intentions to show how a team is performing to boil it down, uh, you know, up to senior management who they don't need to know all the intricate details of, you know, how, how you know, products are built. And they just want to know, are we on track? And yeah, so I've, I have actually have seen it a bunch and it, it, you know, then goes into performance reviews and team reviews and all this kind of stuff. And people get afraid, you know, quite frankly, you sit in an estimation or a grooming session and everyone's like, man, I, I really think that's a three, but I better make it a five because I'm not sure that it's a three. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, I better buffer this. I better <laughs> buffer this estimate. I better make this, you know, a high story point so our velocity looks good. It's really oh. a three, but if I made it a four, I guess my team looks better. It's a four. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I'm sure to complete it right within within the a lot within the a lot of time. I mean, that's that's a lot of what what gets comes into play here. 
you know, because we'll be we'll be green. You know, we won't have reds. You know, and our and our and our bird charm charts going to look awesome, right? For all the people that are looking at all the great charts that are produced. Yeah. So you know, kind of moving along here, maybe the yeah. next easiest way to gain some of these dev metrics is to only show the good metrics. Ray, have you ever seen a project or a team that changes which metrics they report on based on whatever is going to make them look, look the best? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I, I would say more often I hear, uh, how do we make the metrics that we're producing look better, right? Uh, that's what I would hear more often. I always felt like this is a little bit of a, like a human nature thing yeah. combined with a, a culture thing. And I'll, I'll give you like the last example that I, I've had of this. You know, I, I've seen sitting at my last company, I, I was an executive there. And, you know, we're meeting at the executive table every Monday morning. And it's a metric-based conversation. You start with the metrics that you want to show. And then you add color and context to them. And I found like with some of the, the other executives, I was a VP of engineering, the other executives at, at the table, I might have a conversation with them on Friday. So for example, you know, the customer success person on Friday, we talk about how, you know, man, the customer success team just doesn't have enough technical knowledge. And hey, Dan, could you help with training on this technical knowledge? What's happening is that these tier three support issues are coming to us and the amount of time it takes us to solve them are way too long and we're relying on engineering. You know, could you help with this? And I'd say, yeah, of course. You know, we can do some training sessions. You know, there's even some members of my dev team that might want to come to your team and be this tier three support. And yet in the meeting on Monday in front of everyone, that metric around, you know, how long it takes to solve these deep tech technical issues does not rise to the surface. Yeah, right, right. And I'm asking myself, why? Is it a fear, you know, uh, of, um, I guess, getting bashed in front of everyone? Is it, I don't feel open, you know, people will help me with a solution. Do you have, have you seen that before? Can, can you relate to that? Yeah, absolutely. And, there, you know, there, there is a lot of personal aspect uh, to this. In, in that one, and something like that in particular, there's a bunch of things wrapped into that. One of is, you know, I don't want to uh, look like my team is failing, you know, alongside my peers. Yeah, if I'm a, you know, director of engineering, you know, maybe I have a few engineering team leaders that report to me and, we're using met metrics and I don't want to just see the good metrics. Right. Um, no. Can you think of any tips that you've seen work that encourages not only the good metrics, but let's talk about the bad metrics. I used to tell my teams, you know, my job is to take the arrows guys. And so let's, let's um, tell the story with truth. So let's, let's, let's also offer a possible solution. Let's not just come up with a bunch of, I got all these problems. Let's say, hey, if somebody helped us here, if we you know, hired somebody or whatever the case may be, let's come up with a set of solutions that we can also provide the business to, to perhaps get us to help us over this and fail fast. I'm a big fail fast person. As soon as you see some things, any businessman, any C-level exec is going to say, if I have three months to react to something, I'll take that any day over two weeks, <laughs> right? Because they can, they can help it. 
Yeah. One thing that's uh, worked for me in that situation when I was meeting with, you know, my team leaders is kind of just set up that weekly meeting with, okay, let's have a good metrics column yeah. and yeah. some metrics that don't look so good. So you actually have that bad metrics column. Mm-hmm. And the key for me is when we talk about the bad metrics and it's based off what, what you said too, reward solutions. I don't care that the metric's bad. You're not going to get docked for the metric being bad. Let's work as a team and you're going to get praised if we can think of uh, solutions together. I found that, you know, worked really well for me. Um, It kind of eliminated the fear of showing a metric that's not so good because us as leaders, like I want, I'm more interested actually in what's not going as well. Sure. <laughs> you know, the things that are, are going well, that's, that's great. Keep yeah. doing that. The things that are not going so well, what are the solutions? That's what management teams are supposed to do is help people over the hurdles, um, along with patting them on the back from when they're successful. But, but what moves the business forward is, is getting over the hurdles. Have you ever come into an organization where this is kind of the culture, you know, we only talk about the good stuff. Um, and, and if you have, um, have you seen like, what, what is the impact of that? Does it result in more long-term pain or? Yeah, everything comes, comes back anyway, right? Is, is what it boils down to. It's just way later in the, in the timeline. Right. I've been been in organizations where you know the managers get together and people put together you know beautiful you know PowerPoint uh, presentations or whatever of, and all the things that were accomplished and um, never mention the things that that didn't happen in a quarter for example if you have a quarterly meeting and everybody's a big powwow with all the managers um, and but there's an uneasiness, right? Because the, the manager next to you knows that you've got problems, right? Because you probably talked to him or her anyway, right? Yeah. And, and, and there's an uneasiness in the room. It's like, okay, I, 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 know, I know you've got some issues over there, right? And uh, why aren't you bringing them up? That, I, I can relate to that so well because that story that I told, I was actually one of the newest executives to that table. Um, to the executive table. I was one of the last ones in. There was already the executive team and then I got promoted. And when I saw that happening, then I thought to myself, wait, maybe I shouldn't open up about my org because this person, you know, they've been in the industry, at least an executive longer than me. I'm newer to this. Like, okay, maybe I should kind of just has this negative cycle. And then you're right. At the end, if you don't open it up, it will come back to bite you. It just depends when six months, three months from now, six months from now. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it always does. And, and, you know, and I think the issue is uh, even regardless of the level, you know, from, you know, individual contributors all the way up to management, you know, uh, whether you call them cowboys, mavericks, whatever the case may be, the person who starts, you know, you know, saying the emperor has no clothes Right, it becomes you know almost sometimes it looked as uh, as the troublemakers. And this was a really nice quarterly meeting until you brought up the problems we really have, right? And and now yeah. that now we're now we're going to go on and we're going to miss dinner and all that kind of stuff because we're going to have to solve these problems. And, and that's one of the things that you know that that happens if you start really bringing them up in in, in some organizations. Yeah, um, you know. 
the last way that I've seen uh, people or teams be able to game some of these dev metrics is to kind of lower the bar of what makes a metric green or good. Mm -hmm. And Ray, you've mentioned, you know, in the past about how many companies have this mindset of green is good and yeah. red is bad. Can you talk more about that from what you've seen? Yeah, there, you know, there's, there's a, you know, there's an aspect of gaming to it, of course, right? But, but there's, there's also the, the, the feeling of, hey, all the metrics, velocity, lines of code, whatever you're basing it on, everything green, 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 green. But similar to the, the quarterly executive meeting, everybody in their gut knows this project's not going well. How can everything be green and you're missing dates? I mean, and so that it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. But at the same time, those individual contributors or scrum masters or development managers, wherever the case may be, are being evaluated on these on these greens, right? And and uh, you know, wish everybody was colorblind because colorblind people can't see green and red. <laughs> it'd be a, it'd be a lot easier. Yeah, you've mentioned a few times. You know, are we delivering value to customers? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you think is measurable or sometimes not measured in a project that seems green, but everyone knows that it's red? Yeah, so I, th I think, you know, there's two things. Um, when I would manage teams, uh, I would, add, and it's I've been in product companies for so long, I would ask even the most junior de developer, what are you doing for our customer today? Right, and that was, that was my question. And they said, I'm just working on a build script, okay? So, but what is, that, what is that build script gonna do to help our customers? And get them to understand, you know, that even writing build scripts helps our customers. So the lower level is almost a little easier. The higher level gets a little bit more intangible, but it is an objective in terms of, you know, sales sales guys will put a, um, you know, a, a forecast in place. We need to have these things, you know, these things, these things, these things, and it gets into the date discussion. Um, but if you're delivering predictably. You don't have that end of quarter date, right? You 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 you're delivering incremental features. So the way I say, I mean, who, who doesn't get an update from their favorite app on their phone, you know, twice a month as it is? Um, that's the way enterprise apps should be delivered as well. Yeah, I have a, a little bit of an out there idea, but yeah. I wonder what would happen if dev teams stop measuring, you know, velocity and story points, mm -hmm. which typically, you know, a story point is you know, how much value and how much effort, you know, mm -hmm. do I need to put in in order to deliver this to a customer? I wonder if they started measuring it based on usage or engagement. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give up points to how much more engagement I think I'll get from the, this feature. I wonder how that would change the dynamic of, of how we think about building features and measuring what's important and, and what's not important. Yeah, that's a real. That's a really interesting thought. I mean, that that well, first of all, because that requires, in a good way, that that the developer is much more engaged with the product owner, whoever that happens to be, and the customer representative, because they're going to say, "Okay, I understand we need this feature, but I've been thinking about this, right?" And, and I'm thinking well, this might be a little bit cooler. This might be a little bit more interesting. And 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 you're right because because you know I. Um, I'm not, in, I personally am not interested in working with a bunch of code slingers because, um, you know, code slingers are dime a dozen. 
you know, people who really care about what they're developing are, are true software engineers, um, care about the stuff all the way up um, um, to the top. At the same time, you know, yeah. there's a lot of companies that, that, that incent, you know, good engineers with things like stock and all those kinds of things that, that the software business does based on feature use, perhaps, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think like the codes, the code slinger, uh, you know, mindset, there's kind of two sides to this coin. Am I slinging code because no one from the product side is bringing me into the customer's mindset? And I think my job is just to crank lines of code as fast as possible. Or am I slinging code because I really don't care about that? And I just want to focus, you know, on my engineering work. I, I, to me, it kind of goes both ways, right? Yeah, you're exactly, and there's and there's both there, right? There's there's both there. I've been in organizations where, where you know, the developers aren't aren't engaged engaged enough with the product, whatever and whatever the cause there. Uh, and uh, but there there are, um, I would have to say, um, in the larger the organization. And this is maybe a little bit of a generalization, which is always trouble. But, but the larger the organization, the more team members you're going to find who are interested in getting. Here's my story. This is what I'm doing. I'm cranking it out. I'm done. Right. The smaller organizations, you know, developers tend to have, like everybody else, have a, have a tendency to have a lot more vested interest in what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, we we've talked a lot here about yeah. some of the easiest ways to game. Uh, some of these dev metrics. And now I want to shift it to talk about some strategies that managers, leaders can use to implement a culture where that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, so Ray, what are some processes or actions a manager can take to show their teams um, that they don't need to, to game uh, metrics? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, um, Simply, you know, as I mentioned a little bit ago, even if the metrics are bad, right, whatever bad means, um, that the leader is going to take the bullets or the arrows and, and you know, and make sure and, and work with management and say, you know, we're working on this, whatever the case may be. That's kind of like the first thing you can do when, when you know, when you're looking at how you're going to change the culture. But it does get into the fact that it's, it requires a cultural change all the way up. So if a team fails and you're at that big roundtable meeting you're talking about, everybody in that room should feel that failure, right? So we, we, we have failed, not, not you know, Dan's team or Ray's team have failed. We have failed. So there's so much culture involved in it. If I'm in an organization and things are already going bad, maybe I, I'm a new team leader hire, I came in as a director, I got sold that I should take this job and I get in there and there's this bad culture. And maybe there's no, you know, magic bullet or silver bullet, but is there one thing I could do, in your opinion, to start flipping the culture? Well, I think it gets back into kind of the personal, uh, you know, thing, and that is you, you, could, you have to start with your sphere of influence, right? And, and working within your sphere of influence, wherever that happens to be. And then hopefully get some recognition from the fact that, hey, you know, look at that, that team is making some changes or, or what's going on over there. And one of those just, to, and, then, and then have the opportunity to have lunch with the, your, the, the next out to the layer of the sphere of influence, right? The next, the next sphere, if you will. 
And, and I think I'm, I'm really a big believer in this socialization thing because, because you've got to get people to believe in this because if they, in anything, quite frankly, because if they don't, people are just going to go through, through the, it's like, like Scrum itself, people are just going to go through the motions and, and you don't get the benefit out of what the process actually offers. And so uh, that, that's, that's what I do. And then, and then bring in some of the ideas that, that you've talked about that I've talked about and say, okay, team, this is, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And somebody might say, well, that's not how we do it. I'm like, no, that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll manage that. Let's, let's, uh, let's start introducing some of this and uh, let's see how it goes. Awesome, Ray. Uh, we're just about to come up on time here. I always like to give a little bit of time back to uh, our guests at the end. Um, is there anything that you'd uh, like to pitch uh, for our listeners? Well, you know, uh, so I'd encourage I'm uh, author and writer on DZone. I've enjoyed it. Uh, you can always check me out on DZone and LinkedIn, of course. Um, I do have my own, my own business. I'm always looking for gigs. Uh, whether that be architecture, uh, DevOps kind of stuff, or uh, just a process uh, oversight. Uh, happy to be a part uh, and share, share some insights with anybody. Awesome, Ray. Um, you know, so happy to have you on Dev Interrupted. Thank you com for coming on the show and thank you for giving your, your insights around culture and metrics and really how to not gain uh, gaming metrics in an organization. <laughs>